0: Welcome to 2020, a brand new year, a new episode of Red Voices, and yes, we deliberately waited until United won a game to record. Ewan and Paul here to discuss the board draw against Wolves, the... uh, against City in today's thrashing in Norwich. Paul, happy new year, my dude. How are you?
1: Happy new year, mate. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you?
0: Uh, pretty gravy. I mean, as mentioned there, it, it, it's always nicer to record after a victory and I guess we can be a little bit more selective about when we actually do meet up for these chats of ours.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, only only record after we've won. I think that's the, a good philosophy to go by.
0: So but we're going to get like four episodes out between now and the end of the year? <laughs> we might not get many this month, put it that way. That's true, that's true. I mean, I guess we uh, will wind our way back to, gosh, what was it? Our second game of 2020, uh, that result against uh, Wolves. Um, I mean, it's not a hell of a lot to pull out of that, that draw last weekend, really, was there, Paul? You know, it wasn't particularly inspiring. And it, it was a result you could see coming a mile off with the fact that United obviously had to rest a couple of players. And it was just it was just pretty drab, really, wasn't it?
1: Really, really drab. And, yeah, you're right, you know, when you saw the lineup, you think... If anything, when I saw the lineup, I thought, well, we'd be lucky to get away from here without losing. So if you're looking for positives, we didn't lose. Um, and it's a tough place to go. Um, I mean, obviously, they rested a few players as well, which helped us. But, I mean, it was, it was just one of those horrible cup games where neither team really goes all out to win. Neither team wants to lose. And just, 0-0 was the absolute perfect score for it. Obviously, um, mm. it means a replay, which is not ideal for, for us. Well, not ideal for either team, really. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. With, with all the injuries stacking up and the fixtures coming thick and fast, it, it, you know, it, it's not ideal to have a replay. But obviously, you'd rather have a replay than go out of the cup. So, as always, I try and put a positive spin on things, but it was awful to watch. That not really a hell lot
0: to pull out of it. You know, I think there was a period in the last sort of 20 minutes where you suddenly looked like United were hanging on to a certain extent. You know, We were a little bit lucky with the fact that Doherty's uh, attempted shot when he had a really great run-in on goal after a really great cross by Jimenez, I believe it was, leaped up off his hand and it was very clear handball and was rightly chalked off for offside. And, you know, United's one decent chance. I don't think we got a shot on target during the entire game was seconds after Rashford had come on and his shot looped up onto the bar. And there's not really much more to pull out from that. You know, maybe a half-decent penalty shouts for Brandon Williams in the first half, but nothing really to get that excited about. And, yeah, I mean, obviously it's nice to still be in the cup, don't get me wrong, because domestic cups are probably going to, Provide Well, at least we thought so before. Uh, There's a chance for a domestic cup to actually provide some sort of joy for this season. So it's nice to still be in uh, with a chance of getting through. And considering that we've been to Molyneux, God, what is it, four times over the last 14 months or so and not one once? It wasn't a surprise that we didn't get our result on Saturday. And I think the nice thing was that we merely got out of it without conceding and without losing, considering how badly things went several days later. You know, there's nothing more to say about Wolves, really, is there? You know, we play them again on Wednesday at Old Trafford. And you know, if, if we are able to get anywhere near the space that we got today, then I expect us to get a couple of goals. But that's unlikely to happen, I
1: guess, really, isn't it? I would have thought so. Yeah, Wolves are a good team. They've got some good players. They're well-organised, well-coached. Um mm unlike, I mean, I'm not saying Norwich aren't well coached, we'll get on to Norwich obviously in a bit but I mean, today the the space was unbelievable that they afforded us Wolves won't do that and it, it'll be, I mean, you, you, you obviously do, no idea what team he's going to pick against Wolves in the replay because there are so many games and so many big games this month um, and going into February, so yeah, we'll we'll see we'll have to wait and see. Does this mean we'll have to talk about Tuesday night now? I guess we kind of have to really, don't we? Yeah um, <laughs> I'm more
0: interested to hear what you made of it because you're actually at the game.
1: Okay, um, it was well. I'll talk about even just walking towards the ground. It was pretty subdued, really. You know, considering it was a, a cup semi-final and a derby, and obviously everyone was sort of, or certainly I was, you know, in my in my mind harking back to the the 2010 um, version of this of this match. When things we talked about it in the last pod, actually didn't we? We did. One of our one of our f- best memories of the last decade um, couldn't have been more different, really, in terms of atmosphere, expectation. And as soon as you got the team sheet through, you're thinking, "Well, <laughs> we'll be lucky to get out of this alive." Really, Phil Jones on any team sheet is, and and I feel sorry for Phil Jones. I don't want to start laying into him too much because it's, it's just become an ordeal watching him now. And I was watching him in the warm up, and he looks terrified, even just in the warm up. So, you, you, yeah, you, look, you see the team sheet and you're thinking, well, how the hell are Pereira and Fred going to handle Bernardo Silva and Rodri in midfield? How the hell are Phil Jones and Lindelof going to handle Raheem Sterling and De Bruyne and Mares up front? Um, how are they going to handle the fact there's no sort of out and out striker? And the answer to all those questions was, they didn't in um, nope. that first <laughs> half. I mean, you know, again, we'll probably get on to Sol Shaw in a bit more detail later on, but. I mean, I was I was watching it and it was actually dizzying. And I mean, genuinely dizzying to watch just to watch from the stands, the movement of City. I mean, and I, you know, I hate to praise City too much, but I mean, they were absolutely exhilarating to watch. Uh, it was uh, you could see they were twisting our players inside and out. They, they, they were pulling them out of position, um, left, right, and centre. We couldn't get near them. We couldn't get anywhere near them. I and mean, we couldn't put a glove on them. And I was obviously we were all kind of looking. Once that first goal went in, because it, it, even when the first goal went in, you're thinking, well, this could be an absolute rout. They could, they could tear us apart here. And they should have done. It should have been about six and up by half time. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at then, obviously, at, at our bench thinking, well, A, what have we got on the bench? Because this is not working. And B, what's Solskjaer going to do? He doesn't tend to make any substitutions in first halves um, for whatever reason. But I mean, I, I turned to my brother and sort of said, well, what do we do? What do we do? We, what you know, looking at the bench, looking at the players on the pitch, looking at the way City are playing. I mean, it, it was very difficult to think of any options other than putting Mastic on, which obviously he did half time, probably too late. But obviously, Mastic is, is so hit and miss as well. You're not con- you're not convinced that's going to make much difference. I mean, I don't know how much of it was United being pretty shit and City being absolutely unplayable. And and, and I must I must say I, I I'm not sure there are... I think there's maybe only one other team in the country who could have lived with City in that first half and that's obviously Liverpool. When they get it right, they get it so right and it was actually scary. It was harrowing, it was an ordeal watching it. As soon as the first goal went in, there was just this sort of sound. Everyone's like clutching onto the seats just thinking, right, strap in, lads, because this could get really, really nasty. Second half, obviously, we came out and and we improved. I'm not sure how much of that was City taking the foot off the gas a little bit. Got a goal, um... People were saying a few people were saying, "Well, we won the second half. Well, it was a response, and the only thing I saw was a team playing for the manager at least so they weren't this wasn't this wasn't a team that had just down tools it was a team that got absolutely overrun, but we didn't win the second half we, By that point, really, city had just completely switched off. They were just way 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 better than us, and it was a bit of an eye opener I think for um for for Solskjaer. and for a lot of fans i'm not sure any any, any manager could Have put the the team Solskjaer put out against City in that mood and expected much else, really.
0: I mean, it reminded me of two relatively recent derbies in the sense of, in terms of how badly the result could have gone, it reminded me of the 6 1 uh, 2011 2012 season. Uh, In terms of the chasm between the two teams, it reminded me of the Moy season when City came to Old Trafford in the sense of. Couldn't agree more. We just looked... Yeah, we just looked completely overwhelmed, didn't we? And Yeah. The annoying thing, again, is if you hark back to that Arsenal game, United, up until that first goal went in, were in the game. You know, Rashford was looking useful. We were getting at City on the, on the occasions when we actually had the ball. And we were causing them some problems. But all it took was essentially sitting off Bernardo Silva allowing him to curl what was a great strike but essentially not closing him down You know, no one got anywhere near him you know Phil Jones is on the back foot giving him several metres in front of him and no wonder Bernardo Silva was able to get a clean strike on goal and as soon as that went in our confidence just fell through the floor didn't it heads dropped yeah. all, the, all the same analogies and it became an incredibly difficult game to manage after that
1: there, there were similar looks in people's eyes and on people's faces when that first goal went in to what to the looks on people's faces when the sixth goal went in, in the 6-1, because I think of the fear, because it just looked like, suddenly it just felt like this could end that way again, this could go, it could be even worse. So yeah, it it really did remind me of that. Luckily Mm. it didn't go that far. But I mean, like I said before, it could have been six or seven by half-time. They were absolutely rampant.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, in the same way that United were exploiting the space so well in that game last month where we went to the Etihad... And we could have scored four easily in that first half. Every time City went forward, our midfield were essentially just completely innocent bystanders. You know, yeah. it, it, It's very easy in hindsight to look at formations and tactics and starting 11s and say, look, this was a mistake, you should have done this. And I understand why it would not be anyone's first choice to say, all right, it should have been Man Matic in the centre midfield. What yeah. he could potentially have given us, because he's shown this in the last few games, this is not me sticking up for him, but it's noting one of the things that he can do is at least slow the game down to an extent. He doesn't offer barely anything going forward, but at least there's an element of him being able to recycle the ball. And because neither Fred or Pereira necessarily phys- physical presences, at least Matic can offer you a little bit of that. And, you know, Phil Jones, bless him. I mean, oh. this is the thing, though. We pity him, don't we? As we fans, do, we, you do. Know, we We look at these performances, and because he barely plays any football for United these days, when he's asked to come in and, quote-unquote, do a job, like he did in that midfield Free against Sheffield United, like he did against City, he just looks completely unfit
1: for purpose. It's awful. He's been openly mocked by away fans, and, like you say, pitied by by, by the home fans. I mean, it's... He was getting terrorized, and it, 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 a lot of it he brings on himself. He, he can't even seem to stand up properly. It's unbelievable. It's, it's a, he's a man who, who's playing with absolute fear. You know, he's terrified of making a mistake. He's terrified. He knows the crowd don't trust him. He knows his teammates don't trust him, and it it it, it can't be pleasant for him. It's not pleasant for us. You almost think just put him out of his misery. Just ne- never play him again for his own good. <laughs> you know it's, it must be psychologically damaging for the guy it, it reminds me the way he plays football is reminds me of the way moys managed towards the end of his tenure as united manager you know with that sort of wild look in his eyes mm. it's that similar kind of like he's, you know he's on the edge here he's, he's just on the edge constantly bumbling across to the next disaster yeah,
0: uh, yeah and you mean...
1: can't you can't criticize him for his effort he, he you know he'll always give it his all he, he but he's, it just looks like it looks to me like it'd be better off for everyone if he moved on for his own sort of peace of mind. You know, he, he must lie awake at night. He must, he must, you know, wake having be having nightmares about De Bruyne after that. I mean, it was all over Twitter, wasn't it? That that horrendous sort of thirty second clip of him just getting absolutely turned inside out. That wasn't ideal for anyone, really, was it? Let's be honest. No, no. And listen, he wasn't the only—he wasn't the only player who didn't play particularly well. But obviously, he's the—he's the kind of full guy, really, because he brings it, so much of it on himself.
0: Well, let's look at Victor Lindelof. You know, he missed that ball for the second one, and Mares was allowed to race clean through and round De Gea for two 0 You know, it was way too easy. And the third goal, good grief! You know, Phil Jones turned inside out, and Andreas Pereira, and the unfortunate full guy in that situation for simply being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't think he really could have done much about that. You know, the ball's no. deflected off the De hair in an unfortunate way. Great save, by the way, but unfortunately you know, if Pereira's not touching that, then Sterling is getting a goal at Old Trafford for the first time ever, I think. Yeah, ever. So, yeah. And you're completely right in the sense that the way the second half shook out, the big reason why it wasn't a more flattering scoreline for City was that they simply took their foot off the
1: gas, didn't they? You know They did. And they still had a few chances.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did. They still look very dangerous at times as well. You know, they were were able to be a bit more measured and take their time and pick their moments with a little bit more care and security, knowing that they had that three-goal gap, which is why we only really got the one decent chance in the entire game in that second half. You know, it was really well taken, you know, great pass by Mason. Yeah, brilliant. And the form that Rashford's in at the minute, he's going to gobble up anything like that. I mean, that is still the... Best aspect, bar none, of watching Manchester United at the moment is seeing how lethal Marcus Rashford is in front of goal and how quickly he is converting those sort of opportunities. And again, that was another great goal. And I guess it gives us hope. But I think that result more than anything else shows us... You know, I think each of the games we covered tonight, the Wolves game in terms of our inability to break a team down, the City game in terms of our... I guess, maybe not inability, but our lack of ability in the sense that we didn't have anywhere near enough talent to actually compete with City toe-to-toe once we had a couple of injuries to key positions. And then today, where we actually played quite well because we were given space and scored four goals, shows us the different aspects of what Solskjaer can do and can't do. And that game against City on Tuesday was a perfect example of how easy it is for Solskjaer to get completely overwhelmed. And you know, it was yeah. a very ugly result. And the thing is, I was saying at half-time on, on the Twitter account, I felt that we were verging on an infamous result in uh, Solskjaer's tenure as United manager. And there's an infamous result, or at least a couple, where you look at them and think, that was the beginning of the end. And it's very, very difficult to come back from a result in a big game like that you know in, in context of where united are right now a league cup semi-final is a big game for us because we don't get to many finals and we don't win many trophies and especially against city it is a huge it's a big occasion for us and to have been completely hammered by city on tuesday night would have been hugely damaging not just for the team but for social too and i think to a certain extent he's got to thank guardiola that they actually let up
1: yeah, I I mean, I, in in social as you know there was no Maguire, no McTominay, no Pogba, no Martial. Now that's four really key players. I know we've not really had Pogba much this season at all, so you can kind of you can maybe take him out of the equation. But even even with Maguire, McTominay and um, Martial missing, that's still part of you know the spine of your team, and particularly I think well obviously particularly Maguire because then you'd be replacing him with with Phil Jones but I think McTominay made a big difference or the lack of McTominay made a big difference because he, there was there was no real fight in the, in the whole team but certainly in the midfield there was no fight there was no aggression and it sounds sort of simplistic really oh fight and aggression you know like the good old days but it is important and I think with City in that mood whatever team we put out we would have struggled Um, but the least you sort of look for is a bit of character, a bit of fight, a bit of never say die. You know, if, if we well, we can't beat these guys at, at the football side of things, we can at least sort of leave a bit in on them. And, and again, it sounds sort of Neanderthal, but, you know, the, it can get the crowd going, you know, a hefty tackle or, you know, a, a show of aggression. And listen, even Fergie's greatest teams, they, they had players like that, you know, bastards in the team who would step in and, and, and step up to, and... When things weren't going well, or when th- even when things were going well, and show that kind of character and that kind of fight, and there was just that was disappointingly lacking. And like I say, again, in Solskjaer's defence, second half we did we did play better, we did tighten it up a bit. And wow. I do
0: think, relatively speaking, relatively
1: yeah. speaking, yeah. But you know, so I think just just to sort of say, and I'm not saying you're saying this by the way, but just to sort of say, oh well, yeah, you know, social just got absolutely out out outwitted. He did to a point, but there were other um, extenuating circumstances let's put it that way with the players that were missing
0: Yeah I get that and I think if Solskjaer was going to be looking at any game over the last couple of weeks as a example to the board and the directors and Edward would of saying this is why we need more players this is why we need investment in the squad during January this is the perfect example you know, and in some ways you look at the result at the Etihad and it becomes even more of an outlier You know, I'm not saying, suggesting that we didn't deserve it But a result in those circumstances was something of a freakish event in the sense that, you know, City played pretty damn well and might not have carved out a hell of a lot of chances, but they completely dominated the game after that second goal, really. But yeah, I mean, I think it was more looking at the... Tactical inflexibility that was a bit of a concern as that game wore on in the sense that we didn't really seem to have much of an answer and hopefully that will improve over the course of the next couple of transfer windows you know we'll get on to transfer talk a little bit at the end but yeah a uh, chastening night although admittedly with the way that the second half went us getting one goal back I was in a different mood at full time than I was at half time just purely because as you noted yeah we won the second half that's the won, real. Yeah. That's the real
1: kicker there. That's the real it? quiz, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was still a, it was obviously still a very despondent mood on the way out of Old Trafford. But, I mean, you look back on, on last summer, we've all said it, you know, we could all see it at the time, going into this season, with the three um, new players that we had, with the squad that we had, we, we could all see that we were only ever a couple of injuries to keep players away from potential disaster. And, and obviously, as well, with the thinness of the squad, um, and the 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 sort of average age of the squad we're always going to be inconsistent and particularly over the festive period and with the injuries that we've had it means it's meant that Solskjaer has kind of had to run some of his players into the ground i mean i, I worry about fred because he's just he's not getting a break and he works so hard it was inevitable that at some point injuries would hit and then it was it was going to be testing this pretty thin pretty mediocre squad and you just don't have the players.
0: No, don't disagree with that at all. Oh gosh. Anyway, I guess we can move on to somewhat happier to- uh, topics with uh, this afternoon's win. I was speaking to a, a long-term Nodge, which is a, a Norwich City a podcast and website. They we did a quick preview of this. And as you can imagine, in the aftermath of uh, Tuesday night's game, I was not in the most positive of moods. And um, one of the things that Rich and I noticed when we did the episode after our visit to Carrow Road early on the season was that Norwich almost played United in the perfect way for Solskjaer in the sense that they gave us so much space, gave us the opportunity to run it, them. then we took advantage of it. 3-1 win, and despite the fact that we missed two penalties, it was a pretty straightforward evening's work. Um I think there was an element that it definitely took the first goal to really open things up but especially for that first half wow I mean one thing to note Liam Cantwell with a great chance uh, wan completely missed him on essentially Norwich's one decent break in the entire half which came right at the end of said half and De Gea did well to tip it around his post Yeah, good save. Um, but apart from that United were completely and utterly dominant and actually did good things with the ball You know, there were a couple of changes from the last couple of weeks Mata came into the side and got himself two assists including a lovely curling effort to set Rashford up for the first goal and despite that one blitz towards the end of the first half, United were really, really good value for that 4-0. That scoreline
1: did not flatter them at all. No, it didn't at all, no. Um, I, like you saying Norwich kind of played into, into our hands, certainly. And uh, you, you kind of wonder, because I, I, I don't think he's a bad coach. It, it, it's a bit weird to, to, to do, to sort of re, repeat pretty much the game plan from when we beat them 3-1. But you're absolutely right, we, we, we deserve to win the game and 4-0 didn't flatter us. You mentioned Juan Mata. I thought he was, for me, he was man of the match. I thought he was absolutely excellent. And if you could give him sort of Jesse Lingard's legs somehow, <laughs> what a player he is when he's in that kind of form. He's so so lovely to watch. I mean, he's a lovely guy as well. And obviously, it helps when he's given sort of the kind of time and space that he was today. But yeah, know, well, today's the perfect game for him, isn't it? It is. His vision, you know, makes the game look so easy. And that that assist for Russia's first goal, in particular, mm. you know, you know, I noticed that. Even as he was running with the ball, he never looked down. He was constantly looking up and it was only right at the last second when, he, when he, that he looked at the ball, knowing where he was going to put it. And it was just absolutely on the plate. He just caresses the ball in that kind of mood and kind of playing a bit of a free role with quite a lot of energy. It was great to see. It was kind of like a blast from the past and you can't do it every week. But yeah, he's just a lovely little player to watch, isn't he? Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, uh, Despite the rest of you awful people all over the internet having a go at him I've never never lost my love for Juan Mata absolutely not I absolutely refuse to despite the fact that I haven't read his blog in about a year
1: he's a brilliant human being as well though isn't he like, he seems like a genuinely yeah. lovely guy but uh, yeah I thought there were loads of other pro- positives as well I mean Brandon Williams again um, mm-hmm. you know, he just looks he looks so comfortable on the ball reads despite the, game, the fact one, that he missed an absolute sitter that was howler. unbelievable it was one of those where, like that Torres or chocolate a few years ago where he. Th- it's it's much harder to miss than to score, mm. and I felt for him because he does. You know, he deserves a goal. He's he's been one of our outstanding performers in in recent weeks. I felt and one for the future. I mean, bloody well, one for now. But you know, if he can carry on at, at this kind of rate of improvement, what a play we've got on our hands there. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Don't disagree with that at all. I mean, you know, Luke Shaw was on the bench and then pulled out with a tight hamstring, and again, he was not missed. No, and... not at all it's very very easy to be critical of luke shaw when someone like brandon william comes in sorry brandon williams comes in and shows up someone's inadequacies in terms of their actual ability to attack and track back and put in a decent challenge but that's exactly what williams is doing isn't it you know he was there for that second goal that's twice in the last week that he's been available and actually got his penalty today and he's finding the space he's getting up there and he's a constant threat down that left
1: flank and he did a fantastic crunching tackle I think it was in the second half I can't remember which Norwich player it was but he just he got the ball slid in got the ball and then just took out the guy as well and I guess what I meant before but you know a crunching tackle like that can really get the, the crowd going he's great to watch um mm. he's our best fullback I think in terms of going forwards and I mean, Aaron wan has been brilliant this season and, and what a difference he makes defensively at, at right back. But, I mean, again, today he got himself into some really good positions and he just can't cross the ball. It, it's it's something that surely the coaching staff are working on with him. And hopefully, because if he can add that to his game, wan then he's the mm. complete fullback, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could be modern-day fullback
0: as well. And that's one of yeah. the key aspects that you actually need to have is essentially when your team is attacking you need to be essentially a winger and if you haven't got the delivery then you're what nanny for about five years of his United career
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
0: oh uh, anyway that, I mean that was the the good thing about today you know it, it, maybe it's not a game to be overanalyzed because whilst I completely agree that Mata was good today Matic was good today as well you know there is an element that you have to look at the the opponent and Norwich were very uh willing to let our more maligned players perform and shine today. And I guess there was a couple other aspects that I really found quite heartening and there was Martial really looked up for it today. you know he sees someone as being criticized for not chasing down enough, not moving enough. No hint of that today whatsoever. He was chasing balls down. He was more physical. He looked more pumped up in the United game than I've seen for some time. The reaction when he got that headed goal again—another great cross from Mata. Annoyingly, it didn't come direct from the corner. Otherwise, that would have been a goal from a direct from a corner, and that would have been fantastic. But you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get there one day, maybe. Um, yeah, it looked like it meant a lot to him today, which is really good to see. And I guess another bonus as well of getting three 0 up within the space of an hour. Obviously, the game's dead. Rashford gets half an hour of rest. Thank God.
1: Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter later on um, who who'd said taking Rashford off. Apparently no one, no, no United players scored a, a, a hat-trick since Robin Van Persie and some guy on Twitter was complaining because Solskjaer took Rashford off when he was on a hat-trick. I mean, mm. you know, listen, I, it deserves a bit of criticism obviously this season for numerous things, but I think that is... That's a bridge too far, isn't it, really? Well, we have to pull
0: Rashford off on his off day against Wolves. He played the entire 90 minutes, I think it was, against City. And he deserves half an hour off if if it's turning into a dead rubber result. I mean, good grief. Like, he's, what, 19 goals this season already? 18? He's having his best season in a red shirt. And you can't keep on running him into the ground absolutely. in situations where you don't need to, to and I would have thought that would be pretty basic but apparently not
1: No I mean I, I agree with you about Martial, I thought the whole team really looked quite up for it today and it was important after that City match that we did come out fighting Um you know for the fans, for the manager everything, Martial yeah like you say great and then Rashford I mean you're kind of running out of superlatives for the guys, you know four years four years was is it since he made his debut and you know, just his, everything's changed so much. His physique, the way he plays, his, his confidence. He just, lo- he really does look like, for someone so young, just what a player. I mean, absolutely fantastic to watch. And obviously with being a local lad, he's come through the youth system and just makes it all the more pleasing. There was kind
0: of an, arrogant, maybe not an arrogance, but there was kind of a glibness to those goals today as well. Yeah. In the way that he scored that first one, dispatched the penalty, almost in the sense that that mirrored how not unimportant but regular it was for him to be scoring. Like he was not so much taking it for granted, but he was accepting it. Yeah, I've just scored another goal. Great, there we go. Right, let's get going and get the next one. You know, it didn't look. It looked like water off a duck's back. It was so cool and calm and collected.
1: Yeah, nonchalant. You're yeah, absolutely exactly. right. I thought the same thing actually watching him today. And I've thought a few times over the season, but today in particular, he just, I don't know if it's maybe, he just looks nonchalant, kind of, I think he may be a bit right, a bit of arrogance about him. There's nothing wrong with that in in a top player. He believes Mm. in himself and he knows that he's obviously a rich vein of form. Why not, you know, play with a bit of arrogance. Eric Mm. Cantona was was probably the most arrogant player i ever watched play and he he wasn't too bad. So it's great to see. um, And it, it really feels like he's becoming the complete, forward player um, and like you said earlier he really gives you a lot of hope for the future
0: mm. Speaking of hope for the future goal scorer of number 4 Mason Greenwood again with another glorious cameo Be honest when he picked up that ball there you thought shoot did you think that was going in as soon as it left his butt?
1: You do every time I said it before in the pod and, you know when he when he gets the ball in that kind of position you just think yeah it's just going in it's going in a fantastic player I mean his age, it's unbelievable. What is it How many goals is that for him now this season? I think it's is it nine? Nine, yeah. Um, and considering the number of minutes he's had, that's pretty impressive. And I think Solsha, again, if, if you know you have to give him a bit of credit for the way he's used him this season. He hasn't thrown him in at the deep end too much. but yeah, his, his his goal scoring ability is absolutely unbelievable. He just looks like a natural finisher. Again, with him being so young, you can only see him really improving. So a lot of hope for the future, I think, certainly in in terms of our forward play um, players. So, yeah, good stuff. Mm,
0: It's remarkable how much Greenwood can do with so little space and so little time. It's incredible. That was headed back by uh, Norwich. Just I can't remember which centre-back it was. Just straight down to him, just outside the area. You could see him instantly set himself and get into destroy mode. And yeah. just to get the placement alongside the power to get past, you know, a, not a rubbish keeper in Tim Cruel either. To have gotten that into the far corner from that angle, that, I mean, that's essentially becoming his trademark finish now, isn't it? Just to cross the goalkeeper into that far corner, and it's beautiful to
1: watch. And I, th- I think he, I think he deceives defenders. I mean, his movement's fantastic, and so that that helps obviously. I think he deceives de- deceives defenders and goalkeepers probably. With just the lack of backlift as well, mm. to get that kind of power and placement with with so little backlift is quite something. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things. His shots don't necessarily look too powerful, but they're so well placed. It's like he's passing it in, passing it into the into the goal almost, mm. just nestled nicely in the corner. You know, that'll do.
0: I mean, I guess the only downside to today, other than the fact that Liverpool won again, was uh, the fact that, uh, well, apart from Leicester, uh, Chelsea had a relatively straightforward victory against uh, Burnley at Stamford Bridge, meaning that the gap between us is still five points uh, to the top four. And there's the small uh, matter of a visit to Anfield next Sunday on our next league game. Um, I guess a quick preview of that is justified. I mean... I watched the Spurs game today, both Son and Laselso both missed very, very presentable chances. Andy Robertson was uh, very lucky not to get red carded after a particularly nasty challenge here or there. Um, but other than that, you know, it's very difficult to take uh, this incredible run away from Liverpool. The only disappointing thing is that we're the only side in the entirety of this Premier League to take any points off them so far in it. Like, what the hell is everyone else doing? Oh, we should have won that game. We should have, yeah. Just one Rocco error, and we would have won it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I mean, it's always tough going to Anfield, even when even when the roles were reversed and we were winning tight. Well, I don't know what a title yet, but we know we were going on these brilliant runs, and they were kind of messing about and like fighting for the top four. Mm. It's obviously a tough place to go. The crowd are on your back, but it's also one of those games where. You, anything can happen because it's it's pretty basically just a der, another derby isn't it in, in a way and with all the rivalry and, the, and the, the viciousness and whatnot, there can be things that you don't factor in prior to the game um, that can have an impact on it so and obviously it, a lot depends on the team we put out but yeah it's a daunting prospect in the form they're in as with Rashford at the moment, as a, as a as an individual, as a team, they just completely believe in themselves. They they, totally, they know you know. They, similarly with City when they when they when we played them on Tuesday, they can Liverpool on a day can just play with a kind of telepathy. Yeah, it's going to be scary. It's going to be probably quite unpleasant, to, you know, with the nerves and everything. But are you going to ask me for a prediction? Um
0: yeah go on then score I mean actually no forget it no that's not temp fate I mean I guess in the modern era I can't think of a time when United have visited Anfield where Liverpool have been such heavy favourites there's the, the trip that we had under Mourinho just before uh, his sacking I think it was and you know it was what, oh, 2-1 3-1 but we were played off the park you know it was awful um and I think even at that point there was an expectation that we might be able to at least part the bus to a certain extent with this one considering how up and down United are considering how good Liverpool are more than anything else I don't think anyone realistically expects United to go ahead and get a result and time will tell whether or not that actually works in our favour because technically all the pressure is on Liverpool you know here they are with this magnificent season they, they're they going to win the league. You know, we all know this and ultimately they can afford to not win this game. But regardless, it would be some statement to wallop us at home or at least beat us at home considering that they've been on such a great run of form and having, you know, only dropped points to us so far this season. How wonderful would it be if we were the only team to do that all year long? <laughs> God knows, it's got to stop
1: at some point. This cannot continue. It does and it, I mean, they are a fantastic team but... You know they 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 had a few defensive issues earlier in the season. They've got a bit lucky a few times with VAR and and you know I mean they're one of those teams very much like United in, in our heyday under Fergie, who just play and play and play right till the bitter end and they're very fit. They don't give up, so that's why they get so many late goals. It's not luck. Uh, so much depends on. I mean, uh, who do you play in the midfield? That's the the biggest problem with, with United, and it has been all season really, is the midfield because Martial, Rashford, and either James or, or Greenwood, whoever plays, can test any defence. But it's getting the ball to them and getting the ball to them quickly enough. matter against Norwich today, yeah, fine, but that's against Norwich. Lingard's in terrible form. Pereira, you know, he's very hit and miss, and then obviously behind whoever plays in that sort of more advanced role. Obviously, you've got Fred, and then who would you put alongside him? I guess Matic. Well, I guess but... in the number 10 role, you're going to put Bruno Fernandes, right? <laughs> oh, man. Are you oh, ready for that segue? Because I was ready for that. <laughs> that was I mean, it was very well done. Thank you, thank you. But no, yeah. I'm not ready for
0: it. Okay, fair enough. What more would you want to say about this game that we're probably going to lose next Sunday, then?
1: Uh, what I'll say is, you never know. In games like this, you never know. And United do tend to turn up in the big games... I wish you had McTominay um, or Pogba or both, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know.
0: We will see. And I guess now it's just a chat about transfers because those are the things that we always enjoy. Uh, interesting one for Ashley Young. Yeah, I guess we'll start there. Um, massive talk about him uh, agreeing terms today, actually, with Inter Milan. Um, and but United are seemingly in the way of a move because they don't want to lighten the squad number and the depth uh, going into what is going to be a very demanding second half of the season should we continue to progress in the Europa League and try and get that top four place um, completely get it I don't begrudge Ashley Young wanting to move and try and get in himself a role where he's going to be playing more because he's not really been top dog in the left or the right back berth for months you know that, that wan mate has made right back his own and Brandon Williams has done such a great job at left back that Ashley Young is kind of redundant but I do get Solskjaer's thinking of not wanting to weaken the squad at a key point any further unless he's got a replacement coming in and there's not been any talk whatsoever about a replacement any sort of defensive reinforcement coming in which makes me think that United are going to hold firm and hold on to this and take the hit and not get any sort of fee for him and i will mean, go in the summer.
1: Yeah it's looking that way although I mean you never know what to believe do you there were rumours earlier in the week about Ashley Young sort of throwing his toys out the pram when it was said that United were refusing to let him go to Inter Milan now I don't know what to make of that I think it doesn't see it doesn't strike me as the kind of player who would sort of refuse to play for the club. He's always seemed like it, he's, he's seen it as a privilege to play for United. I don't know, I mean, it, cause is, is he probably he's probably our third choice left-back now, isn't he, really, behind Williams and, and Shaw, certainly from Solskjaer's point of view. Um, and then right-back we've got Laird, so I'd be tempted to let him go, get a bit of money for him, and he's, he's been a decent servant for the club. There's a lot of talk about the, the influence he's got behind the scenes, but uh, where was that influence when players were downing tools? under three other managers in the past, whatever, you know, and it was all a bit un- unedifying, us offering a contract and then I, I counted it as, as just under an hour between us offering a, a, a new contract and him refusing it, which is mm. all just a bit embarrassing, really. It didn't look good. I think it's just United sort of playing to
0: the gallery to a certain extent, though. Oh, well, look, well, we tried.
1: Yeah, and it, the thing is, if they really wanted him to stay, they would have offered him a, an extension in the summer. You know, it just all strikes a bit of desperation and and. and If he was a centre-back, then fine. I could see why we'd be desperate to keep him. But I think we've got enough cover without him, really. Um, But either way, whether he stays or not... If he stays, as long as his head's in the game, then fine. Let him go at the end of the season for nothing. and I'd wish him all the best. I guess the... uh... There's some talk about Ajax's
0: Donny van der Beek, which uh, came into force as United you know, are so desperately short of creative midfield options, especially now with Pogba not back until February and McTominay likely not back until the winter break happening uh, in the middle of February, I think, or towards the end of that month. So, yeah, United are very, very light on midfield options at the moment. You know, as soon as you get an injury now to Fred Matic or Pereira, you're drafting in James Garner, and that's not necessarily an ideal situation to be in for a play that's got very, very little first-team experience. So, yeah, Van der Beek seems like a bit of a pie-in-the-sky idea, to be honest. You know, Ajax are out of the Champions League, but there is something very... Um, what's the word I'm searching for here? United are really testing their luck by chucking out rumours of that description, to be honest.
1: It just seems like it's coming from the club itself, doesn't it? Really, from from Ed Woodward, it's got that kind of, it's got that kind of feel about it. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I think from what I can gather, Real Madrid is sniffing around with the, with the guy anyway, and I actually don't really want to get rid of him until or sell him until the summer. Yeah, um, that's what he
0: came out today in his quotes as well. So I guess yeah, be I just that don't think it's too unlikely. Happen. No, no, no! It sounded very nice at the time, but so did many yeah. things, uh, including Bruno Fernandes talk. <laughs> yeah, you knew that was coming back, and it came back with a vengeance on Friday. The new Wesley Snyder the new Guy Tan. Like...
1: Yeah, all that. Um, there seems to be more substance to it this this time round than there was in the summer. I've not seen a lot of the guy, so whether he'd be a good signing for us, I don't know. But at this at the, to come in from the Portuguese league to the Premier League, particularly given the pressure United are under at the moment, mid-season and sort of be expecting to just hit the ground running and sort of transform our midfield I think would be a big ask for any player mm. um, but I don't know we, because we, we were rumoured to, to be after him in the, in the summer then, there, then then it was it was suggested that we weren't that bothered about him why are we suddenly bothered about him again now what's changed is it just because we, we're so desperate uh, I don't know I mean you probably know more than I do I, 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 like I said I've not seen him play that much
0: I haven't seen him play at all. Rich has though, and he says he's probably the best player in that
1: league. Um, the
0: context around the actual deal itself is that there's an element that Sporting have essentially offered Bruno Fernandes to United, and they're essentially trying to shop around for a market and try and find the highest bidder. Now, considering that Spurs didn't bite in the summer... And considering what we know of Daniel Levy and considering that it's January, I would be surprised if Spurs actually end up sealing a deal. Although in the context of United looking around for a player and then him going elsewhere, it certainly wouldn't be out of keeping of the narrative. Um, it seems that what's changed between now and the summer is that the paper talk is a little, well, a certain degree more certain. You know, our friends over at Sport Witness were talking about how They've never sort of seen this sort of coordinated briefing uh, when it comes to Fernandez prior. And, yeah, there's a lot of paper talk about the fact that the directors were over at United's London offices at the end of last week, figuring out how a deal could be worked and structured and maybe a loan would be involved. Interestingly, not involving Rojo, who did play for Sporting Lisbon. That's who he bought him off back in 2014, which would be perfect for us because, you know, we could do with getting that mad bastard off the books. <laughs> um, Lord, but yeah, don't get any I mean, started, Ewan. Oh, no, no, no. No, we're not going through that. You know my love Um, affair with Rocco. I know, I know that completely unnecessary and inexplicable love affair with one Marcos Rocco. One crazy toast burner Rocco. But regardless, (laughs) I mean, you know, when it comes to Fernandez, there is a certain element of the fact that United have been so starved this year of creativity when it comes to midfield without Pogba and the fact that United are clearly needing and so desperate for reinforcements to try and make something between now and of the season that a player that we know of Fernandes and he's obviously got the calibre in Portugal he's had a great first half of this season yeah, we're going to hold on to those things and really hope that comes off because that's exactly the kind of player that you want United to be linked with, despite the fact that we don't know naturally a hell of a lot about him ourselves. So, yeah, you know, I'm by all means trying to jump onto the Fernandez strain and hope it happens. I'm not going to count my chickens because it's United and we're so terrible when it comes to these those situations.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one, really, isn't it? Because obviously, Solskjaer's come out and said he's got the backing, the funds are available, if the right players become available and. If they're right for the for sort of his vision of where he wants to take the club, and I completely understand what he's saying because we've bought players in desperation in the past, and or maybe not in desperation, but we've bought the wrong players in the past. Um, we've had one manager come in and want one type of player, another manager come in and want another de- type of player, and it doesn't work. You can't just and and so I worry that there's desperation, and, and you can end up with a player who you didn't really you weren't hundred percent sure about in the first place on the books taking a big wage who isn't really good enough and we, we've got plenty of those as it is so That's that would true. be my, my concern yeah. but then listen, if he's good enough or if if the club really have been sort of tracking him for a while and they and they do genuinely believe right this guy is good enough to play for the team he's good enough to um, stay in the team and and help the the, the club sort of get back to the, towards the top over, over the next kind of five, six years, then great. If it's just literally, we're absolutely screwed for players, for midfielders, it's January, we've got loads of big games coming up, we need someone, then that's a big risk. So I guess it'll play out and we'll see what happens. I know I mean, what you mean though, like we, we are so desperate for, for, for players that you do sort of cling on to anything at the moment and think, oh, just get someone in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was The Telegraph uh, who, again, no one's actually disputing the fact that there is interest from United in Fernandez, which is completely different to last summer. You know, a lot of United based writers were completely against the rumours, and United were said to be annoyed that they kept on getting dragged into the conversation when they weren't really that interested. That's one major difference to know from this year. But yeah, so The Telegraph was saying earlier on today. Um, madison is seen as the primary target obviously he's not going to be available uh this month i mean that's all very well and good leicester city are currently second in the league united are fifth there's every chance that leicester are going to stay in that top four and united won't so what are we going to offer james madison that's going to tempt him away from leicester city is it just going to be the fact that we were in manchester united because you know it's all very well and good hoping and waiting under the transfer window if your primary targets aren't available if you don't put yourself in the best possible position to actually earn those pr- primary transfer targets then you're not really going to be able to tempt people to re- to come to the club you know it, it, yeah. it's not going to work out for us if we keep thinking all right well we'll hold off on this for now we'll hope things turn out well in the next four months and maybe we'll get a trophy you know a sign like bruno fernandes yes it's going to be for big money but you know, or any other play that we're going to sign this month for big money. When you start fully taking into account the situation that United find themselves in, which is less than desirable, which completely takes into the fact that our league position is definitely massaged by the fact this has been such a terrible and inconsistent Premier League season that puts us fifth despite the fact that we're like 30 points behind the league leaders you then start looking at what this team can actually do in the second half of this season and there's still loads to play for there's still lots for us to potentially get excited about but that is at the moment hypothetical because we know that we're missing key players we know that an injury to the likes of martial or rashford or greenwood and we're completely screwed the united allow that position to develop going into the next several months then that is going to severely hamper us when it comes to trying to figure out who we bring in in the summer, and that is going to throw all their quote unquote planning, which you know they keep on talking about, but I'm not actually sure they technically do, out of the window.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely get what you're saying and agree with you. Um, oh, good. The, the, the only thing I would say about the players like Madison and possibly Grealish, you know, players like that who are obviously excellent players, they're sort of on on the rise. United, I mean, obviously, obviously would be a bigger draw if we've got Champions League football, that goes without saying. The other draw that United have is to come here to make us great again, which is kind of what we did with Pogba. Didn't really work out. Not all his fault, not all, you know, a lot of it was the club's fault, the manager's fault, all, all the rest of it. But there is still, and it's similar with them, um, if we did end up sacking Solskjaer for whatever reason, people, I've seen a lot of people say, yeah, but why would anyone want to come and manage United? Well, it's because it's Manchester United, and it's because you know any manager worth a salt, any player worth a salt, or not any player, but a lot of players would think, yeah, what if I was that guy? What if I was that that missing piece of the jigsaw that propelled United back to where they they should be or, or somewhere near there? You know, and obviously there's the history of the club, you know, um, and it's whether it's whether you 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 buy a few players now in this transfer window who maybe you're not 100% sure are right or you wait until the summer like we say and, and and like you say you know someone like Madison might just think well now I'm all right at I'm all right at Leicester we're doing better than you it's a really difficult one for for Solskjaer, I think and he must be pissed off with with how last summer went really it was so obvious that this was going to happen or could happen mm. um and even when McTominay comes back, and if Pogba comes back and is is firing all cylinders, that transforms the team. But like you say, you're you're still only ever a couple of injuries away from being straight back into this position. So panic buying is really um, is really risky. But if if Fernandez is is genuinely someone that they've been following for a while and they think you know long term he could be a good player for us, then go for it.
0: Mm, yeah I mean the thing is United are only one or two bad defeats away from a complete disaster anyway so always let's see how this week shakes out shall we Wolves are home on Wednesday Anfield on Sunday we'll catch up with you there mate I guess brilliant cheers Ewan cheers Paul guys thank you so much for listening as always don't forget if you want to chat on Twitter about football life anything that's going on Uh, recipes, what recipes, that'd be nice you can get Paul at Paul Gunning1 you can get me at Ewan Lennart and you can get the pod at Red Voices M-U-F-C our blog at redvoices.net and you can actually listen to the pod on any other device you choose it can be on Spotify, it can be on SoundCloud, it can be on Stitcher or you can get it on the Apple Podcast app have yourselves a superb week, we'll be back after our visit to Anfield Uh, let's just see how we go, (laughs) take care, bye